folks, and thanks for joining me this week. You know you're in for a treat when you hear that music because it's time for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Reed. This is a chats edition that's brought to you by our friends at Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and Mark Prashan and Website Amp. Um, I have the best job in the world, so I get to host this podcast once or twice a week. And if you don't know what Rec Poker is... It's a free community for folks like us that want to learn about poker, learn together, celebrate together, and uh, have a great time doing it. So come find your rail at rec.poker. It's free to join. Um, I'm just one of the people that make everything happen over there. One of the people on the Wrecking Crew. If you find, if you want to find out more about the Wrecking Crew and everyone on it, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, or you can just listen on because you're about to meet some of them tonight. Crew, why don't you tell these folks who you are and where they can find you? Uh, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me on 5B5 on Twitter and 5by5 on PokerStars and pretty much everywhere else. And I am John Somsky, also known as PokerGeekMN everywhere. Uh, I'm Kim Kilroy. I am PetVet or PetVet33 in most places, but I am Fergie56 in our home games on PokerStars. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 just about everywhere. Now, every week uh, on the Chats Edition here, we invite some uh, someone associated with the world of poker to come in for an interview, whether it's a player, a coach, um, someone in the business side of poker. Uh, we're doing things a little differently this week. We've actually introduced Greg Max Chaos Clem who is an active premium member here at Rec Poker. Uh, he's the guest this week, and he is the guest interviewer who is going to be putting some questions on the hot seat for Chris Jones, who everyone here is very familiar with. He's the uh, member content director for everything we do at Rec Poker. You've heard his questions on the forums edition of the podcast several times. Um, so Chris is here. He's offered himself as a lamb on the altar. And uh, Greg's here to uh, to put some questions to him so we can all get to know Chris Jones a little better. So, uh, Greg, first of all, uh, thank you for coming on the show. This was a great idea. Uh, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself uh, to the folks out there at Rec Poker and what made you come up with this plan? Well, I, I have to say it wasn't really my plan to be on a podcast. I have never been on a podcast before. I, I'm a bit of a lurker to a certain degree here on Rec Poker. And I would say probably about... Let's see, I've been a premium member for a year. I know that because I just got the bill to, to renew my membership. <laughs> and uh, about six months ago, I made a conscious decision to get more actively involved. And I really am glad I did. And I really do have to extend kudos to all of you for making such an awesome environment and resource for people like me who just play poker for fun. Uh, and I found that once I did get more involved, it, the payoff was huge. So well done, guys. As far as this situation goes, because I was lurking on the podcast, I did hear you mention, Jim, and this is a while back, so I wasn't even really sure it was still active or not. He said, hey, if you're a premium member, you can reach out and say that you'd like to spend an hour or some time with any member of the Wrecking Crew talking about whatever you want to talk about. If you want to do a hand history, you can do that. If you want to just talk poker, you can do that and all that sort of thing. And I kept seeing on Discord, my Discord blowing up with Chris Jones' name on it as far as all of these huge scores he's having and stuff like that. So I'm thinking, well, I'd like to sit down with this guy and find out a little bit more about how he got to where he is today, uh, kind of turn up the heat, ask him some tough, tough questions. I'm kidding, Chris. These are easy questions. Uh, and so I reached out to, to Jim and said, hey, is that still an opportunity? Is that still a possibility? And he said, yeah. Well, actually, I didn't hear anything for a couple of days. And I thought, well, geez, do I do I like make a second run at this or or not? And then Jim came back to me and he said, "Hey, we've got an idea. How would you like to interview Chris on the podcast?" And I I jumped on it. So I've done a ton of interviews in my life in a professional setting. I've never done a single one for fun, and I've never done a single one where I hope to get something out of it for me and only me. But so I'm <laughs> I'm excited to be doing that. And, and I do want to thank Chris for uh, being willing to put up with all my questions and probably a lot of the crossfire conversation. But I hope I've come up with some questions that everybody's going to get something out of. So that's how I got to where I am right now. So Nice. Well, I'm excited for that. Uh, before we get into the questions for Chris, Greg, what, um, what in your life has gotten you to the point where you've done all these interviews already? Is that in some professional capacity? I, I'm a director in IT, so I have to hire people. 
gotcha. know, on a regular mm-hmm. basis and that sort of thing. So, and I will tell you what's interesting about that is I really hate interviews. <laughs> That's probably the least favorable part of my job just because I never think they're very natural. I don't think people, right. you know, really feel good about the situation. I don't feel good about it uh, and that sort of thing. So this is completely turning the tables on that. I, I, I'm excited about this. I'm actually going to have fun with this one, uh, but that's how I—that's my background in interviewing and that sort of thing. Nice. Well, uh, Chris Jones, meet Greg. Greg, meet Chris. Uh, good luck to you both. Yeah, Greg, <laughs> I, thank, thanks for doing this. I'm pretty honored to be asked to even to even do this. So I'm I'm well, I'm all yours. Well, thank you, and, and thanks for taking the time. So. Uh, you know, I'm probably going to start with somewhat of an impolite question. You know, you never ask somebody about their income. Uh, that said, I've heard you've had some serious scores, and I'm not sure everybody knows just how well you've done. Could you kind of recap those those scores for us? Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had a really nice little stretch these past I don't know six weeks or so. So I I won. Um, I won the Sunday special on ACR. That was for about. 21k and at the same time there was a a, a big two-day tournament that i satellited into that was like a 600 buy-in that i ended up winning about um nine or 10k with that one and then um then a few weeks later i binked a sunday uh the sunday warm-up or whatever they call it on acr so that was another um about 20k or so so um, and there've been a few others in there that have been some deep runs, but nothing, nothing quite like that. But those, those were, th- those have been, uh, a nice, uh, a nice little, nice little hot streak right here. Could you believe it when you won that first 21 K when it rolled over? No, Well, you know, and, and I'll <laughs> tell you that, um, you know, before COVID and that's, you know, like prior to COVID, um, and even prior, like before I even got involved with, with uh rec poker um i had made a sort of commitment to myself and i'd been really studying and working hard to like try to like improve my poker game like not just show up and hope to win but actually like show up and like have a chance to win (laughs) um and um one of the and and i'd started to do a little bit better in sort of smaller um daily tournaments a little bit online um but i had before COVID hit and whatever I had really made a commitment to myself that this is the year I want to make a 5k or a five figure score or better. Right. I wanted to get that five figure score. Um, and that was going to be one of those sort of kind of like posts that I wanted to reach because it was one that had, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd had a bunch of sort of in that, that four figure range, but never that, that, that five figure one seemed elusive to me. Like I could never quite get there. And so, um, but then COVID kind of got in the way and I really, uh, made a transition during COVID to like trying to really focus more on my online game because I'd, um, I, I'd primarily been a live player. Um, and obviously that was not an option anymore. So those two things kind of came together and built toward this sort of, uh, progression, which I was, you know, I was really, that was something I'd been wanting to do for a while here. So that was, it was pretty exciting to do. Well, congratulations. That's, Thanks. that's really awesome. Especially Thanks. considering the idea that you made a, a, an absolute concerted effort to improve your game. And then to see the payoff on the other side is, is just absolutely awesome. How long have you been playing Chris and kind of, kind of give us a sense for how this whole thing came to be. And how- Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been playing, um, you know, since, since college, you know, like in, in, uh, but, uh, you know, that's a, there's a different thing between playing poker and like trying to be good at poker and taking poker seriously. So, um, like I've always enjoyed the game. I've loved it. I've watched the WSOP since I was, you know, like, I don't know, since moneymaker basically. And, um, it's always been something that, and, 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 you know, if I could get together with some friends and just play, on a Friday night, that was like kind of all time, you know, like, let's, let's do this every night if we can. Um, but I, I didn't really start. And, and and then I started go, you know, I would go to like running aces and Canterbury and play in places like that, but I didn't really take it very seriously as a player until, um, cause it was always this sort of like, Oh, someday I'll go to the WSOP someday. I'll go play in the main event someday. I'll, you know, it was, there's all this kind of someday stuff, but it wasn't very serious. Um, and, uh, it was really, really kind of 
part-time recreational, very like, I, you know, I hope to do well, but it was more for fun. Um, but then I, I had a health scare um, in my life um, that's um, really transitioned me to thinking like, you know, that someday might not always be there. Um, and that if you have a something, if you have some of these some days that you really should just make them nows. Um, and that was what really transitioned me to really taking the game more seriously. And I, that was about 2016 um, when I was kind of going through all that and dealing with some of the health things. And then I actually uh, went to the WSOP for the first time in 2016. Have you been back to the WSOP since? Yeah, I went back then pretty much. Uh, and then so 2016, I did not go play in the main event. I went and played in like... Um, the first Colossus that was like that mess of 20,000 people that they had. Uh, and I did all that. And then I, the next year I went and I had a goal of, uh, I didn't have the money to play in the main event, but I had a goal of like making my way into it. So I went and I studied satellites and I studied and I played in some of the satellites and I, I did actually qualify into the main. So I played that year in the main and I've gone back. Uh, I think I've gone back. Well, until I haven't got, I didn't go this year, but I went 2016, 17, 18, and 19, I think. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. How'd you get involved with rec poker? Uh, you know, gosh, that's a, that's a good question. I, you know, it was, um, I reached out to, uh, Steve, I, I was a fan of the podcast and I reached out to Steve, um, and I said, uh, you know, it was, I don't know if he, I, he's, he's just joined us. I don't know if he remembers this, but I, reached out to him um, during the, he was doing these, the first versions of some of the things that we're doing online, the the peel thing that Eric Binkley's doing. He was doing these play and learn sessions uh, that were live where people played in a, at one table, or the, I think they actually had three tables at this, at this hotel that they had set up and they were playing hands and everyone was sort of explaining away, you know, how, they'd show their hand at the end of the hand and everyone would talk about, you know, the choices they made. Um, and I, I went to that and I was kind of excited about it, but I was, I really, I reached out to, to Steve after that. And I was just kind of asking him about, you know, what are, what are some of your thoughts about, you know, I know you've got this great podcast, you did this great event, but what are your, some of the thoughts about like building community and connecting players and sort of like how 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 could this maybe you know could rec poker you know do something like that because i knew that i was really seeking um more people who because you know the people in my life who played poker were still the people i had played with in sort of my college and high school days who loved to get together on a friday night but you know the idea of like getting better at poker, that's not really what it was all about. It was all about just like hanging out. It was social. It was in, and like, for me, I wanted something more because I was, I was really starting to understand that the complexities of this game and how, you know, how much you have to dig in to like actually get good at it and how complicated it is and how important it is to like have people around you that you can talk about with, with poker. So that was, that was something I was really craving and seeking. And so that's, um, so that conversation began some other conversations. Um, and then I don't remember why I ultimately got more involved, but uh, that was the first step. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, finding people that actually like to talk about it and think about it is huge. I yeah. had friends that got me into the game a few years back and they take it seriously while they're playing, but I don't think they do too much off the felt. So finding right. a group of people that like to talk about it is, is absolutely awesome. <clears throat> Lately, I've asked myself, you know, what would Chris do? And I've, I've <laughs> taken to shoving pocket fives pre-flop at all stack sizes. There, and, that's, and, that's, that's, that's the first <laughs> approach. That's the first approach. It's not working out for me. Yeah. So. Well, it, you know, it, ta <laughs> it's, it's, it takes some nuance. Yeah. I guess question one would be, what am I doing wrong? And we, we can come back to that, but um, so I think everybody I, I wants to this. know. I, I'll say this. It is a little bit of a misnomer that I uh, love this hand in every situation. <laughs> I think the reason I love this hand is there's a few reasons. I mean, I think it is one of the, the better disguised hands that you can really have. It also has a little bit more playability than like 
pocket twos or pocket threes, but it's, it's a, it's, it's the kind of can that when you do hit it big, I, maybe I'm just, you know, I'm fine, but I feel like it's the kind of hand that you get paid off more. There's also this very interesting thing about fives and tens is that um, you cannot make a straight in poker without a five or a 10, either in your hand or on the board. It's impossible. Um, and I kind of like that, that sort of that blocker effect slash, you know, either I'm going to have the straight or I'm going to know that you probably don't. So if there's a bunch of low cards and I've got fives, I kind of like that aspect of them too. So there's, there's some aspects that I actually like that it's not just pure raw aggression. Let's five bet these all the time. So there's no superstition behind the choice then. There's no, 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 not really. Not really. I just, um, I just, I tend to like them. That's cool. I will say I, I picked up on the data point of no straights without fives or tens off this podcast. Mm. And I went home and put it in my notes and it's in my, like my little warm up routine and all that stuff. So yet another benefit of, of rec poker. Uh, I'm guessing that uh, one of two things, either you're currently uh, have a full-time job or maybe you're retired. I'm not sure, but it's not poker, at least at this stage. I know Steve wants to talk to you about that. I heard him mention that the other day. Uh, that said, and what do you do for a living when you're not at the tables? Uh, yeah, so I I, uh, I definitely have a full-time job. It keeps me very busy. Uh, I work um, at a, a literary arts center. It's an arts center here in Minneapolis called the Loft Literary Center. Um, we present um, educational offerings for people who want to become writers. We uh, do uh, classes and events with a lot of traveling writers. We do an annual book festival and we do an annual writers festival. So we do things where people are either coming to meet uh, everyone. If you want to get a book published, you need an, an agent. So they come and try to meet agents and pitch their work to the agents and the agents maybe sign them or don't or whatever. So we do some of that. And then we have a, a really big book festival. The first year we hosted Stephen King. We've hosted, you know, some pretty big uh, household name authors as part of that. So that, and I do a lot of our outreach and marketing and um, graphic design and website development and stuff like that for that work. Just, I just finished one of Stephen King's books this morning, as a matter of fact, oh, yeah? Dr. Really? Dr. Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I asked the question probably more so than that, that's interesting by the way, because that's not what I would have predicted you would have answered. <laughs> um, so you don't really see any corollaries in the sense that what you're good at with your job has allowed you to be good at poker or develop your skills in poker. Well, here's what I would say uh, to that. I've always just been fascinated by by poker, but I think that um, writing and poker share more uh, sort of similarities than you might think on the surface. Um, I think that a good uh, somebody who knows the the constructs and the the sort of like the ways that you tell story. Um, that actually translates really well to how you construct and deconstruct betting lines. Um, so, and for me, it's often like, you know, like you, uh, and I think I've talked to some people on, on uh, in rec poker about this before, but you know, for me, there is this, always this test of like, you know, if you walk away from a movie sometimes, or you're reading a book and you just put it down and you can't finish it. And there's like this, this sort of this sense of yourself, like, this is a waste of my time. This is not believable. This is not a, this is the, the, this is really disjointed or disconnected. And if you get that sense during a poker hand, that is a really good sign that something's up, something's amiss. And I, I would say that I use that a lot. I use that um, you know, the more I understand about the basics of poker and like the, how lines are constructed and then apply that sort of that logic to it, it actually really helps me, uh, sniff out some bluffs that don't make any sense, uh, and things like that. So there, I think there are some corollaries if you look for them. That's fascinating because we spent so much time talking about the math, but nothing about the, the intuition and the this just doesn't smell right idea. So that's, right. that's fascinating. Right. And it's helpful to know the math so that, you know, like, you know, like you have to know that too. You can't just, you can't just be the sort of the gut feel player anymore. I think you have to be able to understand the theory and the, you know, the aspects of why you're making decisions and what are the 
best ones. But but if you can add on, I think that's that some people overly rely on that stuff is my take. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a super expert on this, but but I do think that there is, there is room to find space in the game for um, for that. And I think that's especially true of uh, exploitive um, things. In fact, those tournaments you just mentioned, the ones that I they won pretty big, there's some key spots in each of those tournaments where I went way off what would be sort of on a on a GTO chart or you know the the sort of the optimal play because I I had you know I I'd seen some things and the line didn't make sense. And so you know and I made a lot of chips in a couple of spots where you know probably should have folded or probably should you know probably should have done something different than I did. And so I think it's good to be able to balance some of those things and sometimes rely on some of those instincts. So when you're describing that, it's not just about how you're interpreting the actions of your opponent, but it's also about the story that you're telling as well. Correct. Yeah. No, I think you have to, those things have to go hand, and you know, and like similarly to, you know, like we were just talking about writing. I mean, any good writing story has to uh, start with sort of a protagonist and they have to face either somebody or something that is a force of antagonism, right? And I think if those things aren't, so you have to you have to look at how they're working together. I think um, so. Yeah, you, you have to look at your own line too. You have to look at like what am I representing? What am what story am I telling? Uh, does my story even make sense? That's another really great question to ask yourself all the time because uh, sometimes it's like there's a really tempting uh bluff to take right and it's like yeah but who's who's gonna buy this like what wh- why you know if if i haven't if i haven't laid and if you and laying the groundwork for big bluffs is something that i think is a lot of players don't think about they sort of arrive at a street and it's like okay well i can't win this so i better bluff and it's like but if you've just if you've just landed there and you haven't been thinking about this for the whole hand you might be in a lot of trouble guilty is charged by the way <laughs> So you, how much, you know, having said what you just said, and and that's fascinating, by the way, that's a really interesting angle of things. How much do you pay attention to the math? Do you still focus on the math separately? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, cons- you know, I'm always looking at sort of pot odds and, you know, you know, what are, what are, you know, I, I look at distribution a lot. That's another way that I make distri- decisions. I would say this sort of like, feel intuition is really more of an exploit and it's based on, you know, I'm seeing somebody who's playing wildly out of, you know, out of line basically. And I'm trying to find places where I can take advantage of that. But definitely I think you have to play with the fundamentals to start. Right. Right. I was watching one of your recorded Twitch streams yesterday. uh, (laughs) The ones that have been failing. While I was watching football, yeah, you were having a tough time with, yeah, with the computer. Yeah, I got it. Now. So one of the one of the highlights for me of this was uh, the last uh, tournament. I said, well, if I if I, I announced it on the on the if I bink this, I'm buying a new computer. So well, you, uh, that can, you that computer's already, on the way. Yeah, you should have bought a handful of computers already <laughs> by my by my math here. But um, as I was watching it, you were talking about a particular opponent at a particular table in a particular hand, and I. I think this was the person, and I'll, I'll butcher the name. It was Akabu, something like that. Does that ring any bells? A C A B O U. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. your comment, your comment when you were talking about this person, you said, you know, you don't really hand out the title of truly elite poker player to many people, but you hand it out to this guy, mm-hmm. and to that end, you really don't need to get into, involved in a hand with him if you don't really have to. And I'm curious as to, in your perspective, what makes him such an elite player is it just his statistics on you know shark scope or is it something it, that you've seen it's it's both it's both um so st- statistics will back this up right like just has just the top of the line you know like a great roi consistent big results plays in big stakes um you know so all of those things sort of line up but then you see some of the plays and they're just this player. Uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. It's like a Asabo th- th- uh, something. I think they're from Brazil or something like that, but um, they um, are consistently putting people into really challenging 
uh, spots that I don't see other players doing very often. They're the kind of player that's not afraid to uh, put themselves in sort of like maybe precarious situations, but mostly they're winning in those kinds of spots. So like they're the kind of player that um, you're not going to be able. So like, you know, if you, if you, if you sort of like, you know, there's some players I think you can like call with like, you know, you're on, you're on the, you're in the cutoff. Somebody's open. You have ACE 10 offsuit. Um, maybe you can flat some players, right? Like, but this player is going to make your life a living hell. If you, even though you've got position on them and maybe, you know, you get, you get your 10, right. You get a flop of a 10, but they're just going to make your life a living hell. And so like, it's the kind of player that it's important to sort of recognize them. And then I'm either going to be more aggressive with them. I'm, I'm pretty much only going to be three betting a hand like that against that player. Uh, or I'm just going to eject and say, this is not a good spot for me. There's better players for me to, to sort of work around. Um, Interesting. Have you, <clears throat> have you considered, or do you think you have a sense for what they're doing? That's leading to such a, you know, a feeling of, wow, this is uncomfortable. I mean, I think that they're playing, um, they're playing, you know, c- close to optimally in terms of their, their ranges, their opening ranges, right. but then post-flop, what I see players like that do is um, take that to the next step. I think that, you know, like we can all learn our ranges and we can all be tough to play against unexploitably pre-flop. You know, that's, that's something that I think a lot of us can commit to doing, but the really, truly, I think elite players are the ones that can take that and then play post-flop and put you in um, spots where they, they're, they're not going to just try to sort of always navigate to showdown with a marginal hand. They're maybe going to pick bluffs that you don't think people are going to pick very often. They're going to go for thin value and put you in sort of some, some, so they're really going to try to eke out as much as they can and then make really big bets in really big high leverage spots. So you're going to have to like really decide that, you know, really polarizing spots and you're going to have to, you know, put your tournament life on the line and say with your, you know, ace 10 with a 10, you're going to have to say, well, do, do they have the flush jar? Do they just got it? And the, the, pe- the people who can consistently do that are the ones that I think are really hard to, to like, to play against. Cause then you're, you're almost in a guessing game against them. Right. And then I'd rather, I'd rather play against people. I'm more sure I'm beating. That's a great answer. And and because one of the questions that's always sort of lingered in the back of my mind is I hear a lot of discussion around skill advantage. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, if you're sitting there holding seven, two, I don't really know what skill advantage you're going to derive. That's going to lead to a result other than, you know, fold. So that was a great answer. Cause I, I think that highlighted a lot of the elements of, of, of the skill that people can really bring to a situation or to a hand. You created a perfect segue for my next question earlier when you you kind of described your your background and how you approached the goal of I want a, a five figure score and that sort of thing. How much time do you spend these days studying your poker game off the felt, and how has that changed? You know, pick a time frame: last twelve months, eighteen months, or whatever. I try to. So I try to um, every weekend when I can. I try to. Uh, get up on Saturday mornings and I either am doing um, some stuff for rec poker or I'm doing like I do some of our seminars and some of the video work for that kind of thing, or I'm doing a study session um, where I'm looking back at hands that I played. So I I try to do that. Uh, Definitely. um, That's like a really big time where I do it, but then I'm also trying to do um, decent study session at least one other time a week, sometimes two where I'm really looking at. Um, so I, I either, I'm either looking at my own database or I'm looking at, um, you know, there's a lot of content out there that I'm trying to keep up on. Um, and so I'm, I'm watching some of those videos or learning some of those uh, things or I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I, and I, I also, I listen to a ton of poker podcasts um, and so that, uh, is, it's, it's less intentional study, but it, it ultimately informs things that I might want to study. There's, there's certain podcasts where they really go in depth, 
deep into a hand and they open up some windows for me in terms of like, Oh, that's something I haven't thought about much. I should, I should explore that more. Which ones do you like that are um, So some of my favorites are the, the breakdown with the poker guys. Cause they, they just do one hand. And I think they do a really good job of looking at, at really high level play and like how these pros that are like making really big, moves against each other what are they thinking about what is why are they doing this with this one and not this one and that so that's one i really like um the just hands podcast i think is is uh, a really good one uh it's another one where often more um more cash game focus but it's it's got a similar bent where they're they're really going in depth to that um and uh thinking poker podcast with andrew brokus um who I just think the way he thinks about the game is just is amazing. Um, yeah, he thinks on a whole other plane. Yeah, <laughs> the rest yeah, of us. Yeah, and actually, I should say I should a hat tip to him. Uh, so he does these uh, video uh, like uh, coaching sessions, um, and uh, I signed up for one of those with him right before I had all my big scores. So I don't know if I just got lucky and, and uh, won a lot or if uh, he, but he did have some really good tips. So I sent him a database to review. He sent me back a video where he kind of went over it and uh, it was amazing stuff. He's, he's just, he's a top-notch poker mind. That was probably very valuable because it was specific to your hand yeah, history. Yeah, and your yeah I highly recommend it. It's really reasonable too. You know, it's, um, you know, so I, I'm not, I'm not going to just show for Andrew, but like it's, 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 it's a good deal and you, you should, you should look into it. Yeah. He's when he pitches that, that's exactly what he says. He goes, your ROI will be very, very yeah. strong because it's yeah. recorded. You can watch it more than once. You can, you know, all that stuff. So yep. um, you mentioned earlier that you really, kind of spent most of your career in a live setting and then switched online. Did I hear that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, is that still the case or are you still with, yeah. with COVID finally starting to calm down a yeah. little bit? Are you able to get back to live? Play? I'm, I'm, I've still got some things in my life that makes me a little bit more cautious than, than most. So I'm still primarily playing online. Um, I am, you know, hoping to get back and play a little bit more live, but it, it has not been, um, you know, it's a decision why I didn't go to the WSOP this year. Um, and so I have not played live very much as much as a lot of people I know have, and I'm, I'm still itching for it. I missed the live game a lot, but, uh, I have kind of grown kind of fond of like just waking up and having my morning coffee and just kind of roll it into this office space and be able to play poker. That's pretty cool. Like it's, it's, there's something, um, there's something I've grown to like about the online game too. And I think rec poker, actually, the the ability to have to connect over discord and have people sort of like cheering you on as you play, even though it's kind of this lonely, isolated sort of experience where you're playing online, I think is really valuable, too, because that that would be something that if if I didn't have that, it would just feel like this sort of like. I don't know, just playing on my computer. Here I am, you know, kind of I don't know, but 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 that's been really great. Right. Whether it's live or whether it's online, when you're playing, do you strive to have a very structured thought process or do you just allow your your instincts and your intuition and that off the tape, off the felt study time guide you in the moment? Uh, I would say I'm very st structured in terms of um, I, I really done a lot of study to learn my, my opening ranges, to learn um, – certain spots uh i i've done a ton of study around um uh study time dedicated to sort of icm situations and learning like how to how to sort of approach those different kind of spots because i think that people don't do enough of that i think it's um and i i feel like it's an, an area where i have a big advantage so that that i'd say is really structured when i'm actually in a hand um, the things I'm thinking about the most online, I'm really thinking about uh, looking at some statistics, you know, sort of HUD statistics, notes that I'm taking on the players. Like you mentioned, I do sort of color code players based on things that I've observed from them. Um, so there are some some sort of structural things like that, I guess, that I kind of like a checklist of like, what kind of player am I playing against? 
uh, okay, what does that mean for the kind of range they're going to have? Okay, what does that you know what does that mean for the the rest of the development of this hand? But um, I don't know. It doesn't get much more structured than that for me. You know, then then I'm trying to figure out the spot and where I'm at and and how to proceed from there. Right. Has it been that way for a long time, or was that a, a change you made recently that you feel like contributed to the success that you've seen recently? I would say that was a, that was a, a a change that continues to evolve, but it's it's one that I made uh, before I went to that first WSOP. So mm-hmm. that was a, a change where I was like really starting to become more aware of. I'm not just going to open King Ten under the gun one because I've got a good feeling this time, right? Or like this might be the time where I I I'm going to be really disciplined and fold this every time, right? Like that this is just a trash hand at this position and yeah, occasionally it's going to just bink Broadway or something, but you're going to lose money over the long run if you if you keep doing those kinds of things. And so I've I have become really disciplined about those kinds of decisions. Um, and that was really when I started taking things more seriously. Gotcha. I think I've heard you reference solvers on more than one occasion. Are you a big fan of solvers? I'm a, I'm a big fan of solvers when I'm really lost and I'm looking for uh, some direction of where we're at. I love I love looking at them and thinking about how they approach the game in a in a in a way like that's like. Well, the solver really likes checking here. That's really interesting because most of us would bet here. Well, why why does the solver prefer that here? And like really thinking about it from that. So I'm not looking for prescriptive like, oh, this means I should check all the time here because I don't think we're playing in a solver world. Um, but I think it's a really helpful tool to really like look at your own patterns of thinking and uh, and sort of examine Am I doing this because I really just, even though the solver says, you know, I should be checking here, I'm betting here because people don't play like this. Nobody's going to, you know, like you go through a checklist, but it it, it, tests, it tests your assumptions. And it's a, that I think is a really valuable exercise. That's, that's good. Cause some of what I've been challenged with in my own thinking when it comes to solvers is I don't play against perfect players. Right. You know, I play against highly erratic recreational people. So the idea that I have to either worry about being exploited or assume that they're playing GTO, therefore I should try to play GTO. It's, it doesn't feel, this is just a stream of consciousness. It doesn't feel like a good use of my time to kind Mm -hmm. of really go down that path. But I, I like your idea and, and your consideration of saying, trying to understand the why behind it's saying what yeah, it's saying. Right. I think that's good. And, and Frank, you know, with all these sort of um, tools that are coming out, um, you know, they're, they're most of them are subscription based. People put a ton of hours into building these, but you have things like range trainer pro, uh, you know, that are doing these, these post flop tools. Um, and they're doing a lot of the solver work for you out there. And I, I, I think that that is another great way that recreational players can, start to look into those, you know, you should look into some of these. I'm not, I'm not pushing for it, but you know, range trainer, pro pro DTO, uh, BBZ. There's a bunch of these out there. Odin, uh, they're varied in some are really expensive. Some are less expensive. They're all not cheap, but, um, if you want to spend a really intensive time studying for a, you know, you could just sign up for a few months and really look at one of these tools. I think there are things you can learn, if you go in thinking I'm going to test, you know, like I always like, for instance, there was a, I just was having a conversation on discord uh, today with a bunch of people. There was a hand that came up yesterday in a big tournament that I was playing. I had uh King Jack on a King Jack three board. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a hand. And I was in the small blind and the original or the opener was in the cutoff. And um, I checked to them from the flop and they bet. And that is a hand. And oh, it was two hearts. It was king of hearts, jack of hearts, three of spades. And so I have king jack. I've got top two on a two heart board. That is a that is a uh, hand that I will 100% pretty much 100% of the time be check raising. Like, well, it depends on stack depths, I guess. But, but for the most part, as a rule, 
that would be one that I'm just like, I, that, that's a check raise. I always check raise that. And uh, I, I'm even thinking about this today. I did it. I ran a solve on it and the solver really likes calling. Hmm. Uh, like a lot of the time it likes a call there. And, um, and these are the kind of things that then I start to like test my own, like, well, well, wait a minute. Am I, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Am I getting myself into some rough spots because I'm always taking this kind of line and maybe I'll come back and just say, but, but you know what? It's a draw heavy board and I'm always going to be check raising. But I think questioning those kinds of assumptions is where this gets really valuable. Oh yeah, for sure. <clears throat> we were having one of our, Jim was leading a session over the weekend where we were talking about the difference in cash games and tournaments. And one of the things that we, one of the lines that we got on had to do with just charts you know, pre-flop charts that have gone through solvers that are out there and available. And to me, that's something that it was like a light bulb moment in the sense of, I worry sometimes that I'm too restrictive with my ranges and I'm trying to figure out how can I play off, what should I be playing off the button, cut off, you know, different positions and all that kind of stuff. And I, it occurred to me, well, there's a good baseline. I'll start there yeah. because it, there's some logic behind it, whether I understand it or don't, there's some logic behind it. So. Yeah, for sure. Do you use any kind of warm up when you play? Uh, I try to do, um, so <laughs> one of the other things I love, uh, you, you are get, getting into the secrets here. One of the other things I love about, um, um, online poker is, um, I will usually start. So I'll start in the morning and I'll do a little bit of meditation and then I do, uh, some exercise. Um, but, um, before I, and while I'm playing for the first hour or so i like to just i like to be moving i'm moving around i'm like may, i'm still paying very close attention to what's going on but i'm like uh i'm 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 walking around i'm getting all my sort of my steps in i'm doing all those kinds of things i'm i'm stre- I, it just i keeps my my body keeps my mind active mm. uh and i i i really like that it really, uh, it's a kind of thing that like those long days live where you're just sitting at the table and you can't move around are really hard on the body. And I love the freedom in the online world where you can just sort of like keep playing, but be able to kind of move around a lot. That's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. I suppose getting up in a live environment and kind of doing certain. It's a little weird, table, right? Like it's, when awkward, you're in your, yeah. when you're in your basement, you can just kind of like do it. But right. Like if you right. start, start doing laps around the table when you're, you know, that people might look at you a little weird. How about tools? I know you've, you've made reference to tools. Do you have any favorite tools that you use or those that you go back to time and time again? Flopzilla. Yeah, I would say Flopzilla is Flopzilla and GTO plus are the ones that I, um, that I, that I use quite a bit. Uh, and then um, I do, I do use range trainer pro uh, a decent amount. I just find it's, um, uh, a really, uh, it's just, just a really good tool. And I, I, so I, I, and it's, it's reasonably priced. And so I, 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 I like that one. Um, but there's a lot of good ones out there. And kind of a, a linkage to that, not tool wise necessarily, but do you, and do you have any all time favorite resources from a study perspective that you find yourself going back to over and over and over again, whether it's a video, a book, uh, you know, anything? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it kind of, goes back to i think to andrew brokers i mean the 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 books that he's written about you know play optimal poker and play optimal poker 2 i think is the second one called um are i think phenomenal resources some of his training videos i think are are phenomenal and ultimately it, it yeah then i i really love listening to smart people talk about poker hands so um through through rec poker we have a, some affiliate relationships so i there's uh poker coaching uh there's learn pro poker there's you know a, a decent uh solve for why and there's i think there's some people uh associated with each of those that i'm big fans of i love listening to matt hunt He's got some great videos on solve for why. I really love the way he thinks about the game. Um, Matt Affleck on poker coaching, I think, is just brilliant with breaking down hands, talking about you know uh, exploits versus uh, you know certain spots and solvers. Um, I love listening to Ryan Laplante's coaching sessions. I think he does a great job of talking to the 
so, so that, I think there's a lot of great stuff out there and I, that's not, you know, there's a ton of other great stuff out there too, that I just, I don't have time to access all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Just doing a quick time check. I think we're almost out of time. I have one question left and it's, it's the kind of question that's sort of intended to encapsulate a lot of what you've talked about. I mean, in my business life and in professional life, I, I rely heavily on the 80, 20 rule, you know, in any given situation, I can become overwhelmed pretty quickly and poker's especially a situation where I can get overwhelmed because there's so much stuff out there. There's so many things to consider, so many resources to study this, that, and the other. In your experience leading you from wherever over that portion of your career where you said, I'm going to make a conscious effort to get better. I'm going to make that five-figure score. And then bam, it happened. What would you say is the 20% of everything you've looked at that's generated 80% of your benefit? Uh, ranges. I think there's three things. Ranges short stack play and ICM. If you could study those three things, like know your, know your ranges, know how to play a short stack and know what to do in ICM spots. Uh, your ROI, I think would go up. Awesome. Awesome. So I got Jim and Chris, <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for uh, fielding all my questions. Yeah, no, thanks. This is, this is fun. Yeah, way to go, Greg. Hats off to you, man. This was um, some good questions and uh, some some great answers too. So this might be this might not be the last time we do something like this here on the show. You just you just never know, folks. All right. Well, why don't we hear from our friend uh, Jonathan Little for a second, and then we'll come back on the back half and close this out with some community happenings. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with Ace King when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. There you go, folks. And if you go to pokercoaching.com slash rec poker and you sign up and you don't think that what Jonathan Little is putting out there is worth your time or money, he told me personally he'll send you a money back guarantee. So you got nothing to lose. Go tell him that the guys and gals at rec poker sent you. So, Greg, thanks, man. This was a fun idea. And I, uh, I'm glad we decided to do it here on the air with the show. It's time rec poker nation got to know a little more about Chris Jones. So, thanks for teasing out some of those intimate details. Thanks for allowing me to do it. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, it's been fun enjoying uh, your voice in the room for more of our strategy discussions. And I know um, you've enjoyed getting more into the premium membership and all the events and stuff that we have going on here. And it's just, you know, you, you said it at the top. It, it's better when we're talking about this stuff together and learning together and, and sharing our insights. And, uh, you know, not, some people only learn by burning their hand on the stove themselves. Uh, but some people, they can learn from other people burning their hand on the stove. So God bless it. That's what, that's what we're all trying to do here. Let's learn from other people's pain. We don't have to make all those mistakes ourselves. So there's a couple of things I want to talk about here before we head on out. Um, we've got the Heads Up Challenge coming for December that uh, John can talk a little bit about when we get into the monthly home game or the weekly home game winners. Um, I know, uh, are we breaking news a little? We've got some Exciting news about Gareth James, who's going to be getting a little more involved in the rec poker happenings over the next little while. So I'm excited to talk more about that. Um, and we have a certain national anthem update that uh, we can also get up to now that everyone's home from uh, beautiful Las Vegas and uh, debts have been paid. So these are all actually, they're fairly John Somsky centric. John, would you like to start talking about a certain oration, or would you prefer to get through the home games first? And then we can start talking about that. Let's uh, wait for the home games. <laughs> we'll get to the important stuff first here. That sounds good. So, you know, now for the, the listeners who may not know this, Jim and I did not overlap in Las Vegas mm, at all. Brutal. He was there, and then I was there. And, you know, Jim has had this big, he's been planning the, the Canadian national anthem for Steve. He brought a hat and a shirt for him to wear and was really going to make this big, great big event. And then I show up and I am shocked and appalled mm. that 
Jim did not actually have Steve sing the national anthem. It's true. I, I was just, how could he have done this? This you had one job, one job, literally and, one job. You know, just couldn't do it. No. Nope. So I decided that we were going to do it the morning of the seniors tournament. <laughs> and, Can I just add that it, it? How does the how does the Yankee end up? <laughs> Being the one who compels this debt to be paid. I mean, that's well, you just... see, I'm the responsible one of the, it's true. the, the core team. So it's true. You know, I just John's, make sure that it happened. John's the guy that we, we if you, if something actually has to get done, then we, we make sure that that's on John's list. I'm pretty good at talking about things. <laughs> John yeah. and Steve are the only ones that actually get anything done around here. So anyway, one you know, the night of the uh, seniors tournament after we had uh, played that that day, I was with Steve and I said, oh, sh- where word? And it uh, he said, what's wrong? Like, you know, did I hurt myself? It was totally away? out of the blue. All of a sudden he's just yeah. like, oh. <laughs> and uh, Steve said. Well, I don't think I've ever heard you swear before. Well, I do swear, just not around people usually. And anyway, uh, the reason I swore was because I forgot to have him sing the national anthem. So anyway, we did manage to get it done. We did it the next morning, uh, the day of the, uh, I think, was it day two of the Colossus or day one? Is one of the one of the flights the Colossus, yeah. Yeah, it was either the, yeah. yeah, one, it was, well. It was a, a day one, whether it was B or A or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, we all got there and uh, the Joe from Run Good Gear was there to take pictures of us. And then he belted out the national anthem in front of everyone. People, you know, to just show how big of a spectacle the WSOP is, people just thought this was normal planned event. <laughs> <laughs> just watching him. And then at the end, you know, everyone started clapping and I think, you know, he belted it out the way like he'd sung it his whole life. So you'd really think he was Canadian there. I, mean, I think people were being like respectful in the hallways. Like they thought this was like <laughs> a kickoff of the Colossus or something like is this is a former Canadian winner or something like they're like yep. pausing in the hallway. Like what is happening here? <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Good for you guys for putting it together. It yeah, that's that's amazing. I, I was so sure we were going to do it that I stopped at Pearson airport on the way down and bought a red Canada shirt and hat so that we would be equipped when it happened. And then I just totally dropped the ball when we were down there. So John, my hat's off to you, sir. Thank you for putting this together. And Steve, thanks for being such a great sport about this whole thing. You, you really delivered. You really delivered, man. That was quite a performance. Well, I decided if I was going to do it, I'm going to do it. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't want to like, like I lost the best. I was going to repay, but like I kept saying, I'm not going to make it happen. Like I'm not going to make it happen. And I was like, okay, every day kind of went by and like nothing happened. I'm like sweet, sweet. And then John said he's going to do it. Then he kind of forgot. I'm like, sweet, sweet. And he's like, we're doing it. And he's like, we're doing it. Like, like, I'm like, I don't know if we have time between because Joe took photos and we had the Colossus and we all, you know, we're waiting to get in. John's like, no, we're doing it now. So it's he kind of said, we're, it's happening. Like, well, if we're going to do it, let's do it. You know, and so I've watched enough uh, Canadian hockey that I sort of channeled my inner hockey Canadian anthem singer. And I'm like, screw it. Let's go. Like, I don't care what key, what the pitch is, but it's going to be loud. You know, that's, that's the end of the day. So it, it, was, it was super fun. And I had people coming up after me. They're like, so where are you from? Like what part of Canada are you from? And I'm like, I lost a bet. And I think they felt really bad. Like it was a joke. You know, they're all excited that we have all this Canadian pride. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I lost a bet. <laughs> Well, um, I also I'll tell our listeners, if you're interested, um, just stay tuned at the end of the episode. and Maybe you'll get a little Easter egg. Uh, but if you really want to see it in all its glory, go to uh, the Rec Poker YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and search for Rec Poker Community. It's the number one video on our Rec Poker Premium, uh, our, our promo video playlist. So it should be right there at the top. Go take a look at that. I think my favorite part is at the end when one of Steve's admirers from the crowd says, dude, that was awesome. Do you have a Snapchat? 
<laughs> Somebody say yeah. And you can hear Steve. Steve has obviously never been asked before if he has a Snapchat. <laughs> this is a great reaction. So, so I hope I hope people do get a chance to go and enjoy oh that. And um, yeah, Steve, thank you so much, man. That's 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 a pleasure, and, and I know our Canadian listeners do do appreciate it. Also, it's nice to have the debt paid. Like, <laughs> get that one off yeah, the I'm books. Gonna, I know that's been. There will be fine me. print on any of the next debts that are, <laughs> the next bets that are made. And I believe it was Kelly Stork who was the person who asked about the Snapchat because she recorded it on Snapchat and didn't know how to get it anywhere else. Oh, that's right. She, yeah, okay. She, so it's on Snapchat somewhere. If you know Kelly, I don't, <laughs> I don't beautiful. follow her. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, well, that yeah, was, was great. And, and when you hear it, um, I'll, I'll take, if anyone wants to book Steve for an event, <laughs> yeah. uh, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, graduations, hockey games, uh, you can email jim at rec.poker. We'll find a very reasonable rate, set that up for you. Um, he does all sorts of national anthems. It's not just the Canadian national anthem. Um, so yeah, don't, don't be afraid to reach out for that. Let's make it happen, folks. Um, nice. All right. So uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to that. You might see that pointed to a few times over the next few weeks here and there around <laughs> rec poker. Um, John, why don't you take us through some, uh, some other happenings in the home game style? Well, just to completely change topics then. Um, yeah, I don't it, want to hear Steve's name mentioned once in this segment. No, not at all. Well, I am I am glad that at least he saved his run good. You know, he didn't go out and bink a bunch of tournaments in Vegas. He so waited, gosh. came back November 3rd. I think that was the first your first day back, right? Yeah, yeah, I got back on the second, I think, yeah. Okay, November 3rd, Rec Poker Steve... Steve Friendland won the National uh, Hold'em Championship Series and propelled himself to the top of the POI ranking. I think he has like about a 50-point lead. So it's going to be tough, and and he's won it twice this year. So he is the first person to win two of the No Limit Hold'em Championship events in the same year. I mean, it's not a Paddy 98 type of no. Trend, and, and, but, and Colin Anderson gloves 10, 10 wasn't able to play. So there's a big asterisk <laughs> with, with me taking the lead on that deal. Hey, he knew what he was getting in for. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then we have our daily series, a big deal. Uh, one, his or her second nightly victory. Uh, Isma Spike got his fourth nightly victory. Spike's back. Then MN Ted, Phil Fuhrer, Back-to-back days got his fifth and sixth nightly victory, nightly victory for the year. Way to go, Phil! And then Keck Geek, who's Keck Geek Senior, ah. uh, Mark Kiki, got his fourth nightly victory for the year. It sounds pretty impressive until you consider what Jacob's getting up to. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that is true. Must be tough then, living in the shadow of your own son. All right, going on. Colin Anderson, feeling bad for himself and sorry for himself, <laughs> had to redeem himself and won the daily mixed victory for his first daily mixed victory for the year. Nice. Osloberger, Tron Vidar Stensby got his first international victory for the year. And then Gopher Boy G- TJM, Taylor Moss, got his first international victory wow. for the year. And then not to be outdone, Rec Poker Steve, <laughs> oh Steve my Fredlin, God. got his second LPP victory wow. for the year. Wow. So, Steve, you just need to mail Jim at Rec.Poker <laughs> and you will get your free month to learn pro poker. That's right. Steve, I'll talk to a guy I know over there named Ryan. I don't, maybe I can Please. introduce you. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> And, of course, don't forget that, uh, as Jim mentioned earlier, our Heads Up event is going to be on December 18th. Mm. So, that's, again, you need to sign up beforehand. There is no late registration for that. It will be at 1 p.m. on Saturday, December 18th. Nice. Well, thanks, John. I know the uh, home game series is winding down. We're coming up to the end of the year, which means that uh, by the time people hear this, It'll still be a chance to play in the second Wednesday of the... No, it won't. (laughs) It'll still be a chance to play in December in the last uh, monthly Hold'em home game and the last monthly mixed game. 
Um, so that's on the first Wednesday and the second Wednesday of December. It's not too late to uh, win your way into the tournament of champions, the real championship uh, final, final two tables that we'll play at the end of December to find out who gets to be the no limit hold'em champion of rec poker in 2021. Well, and don't forget also December 15th, Wednesday, December 15th is going to be the no limit hold'em championship series tournament mm-hmm. of champions. So if you won a no limit hold'em championship event, you will be in there. And then we will uh, take the next six top point earners to fill out 18 people for two tables and you'll play in the TOC. And, and actually because Steve won the, his second will actually be taking seven points earners because that's Steve true. knocked one of those uh, monthly mm-hmm. winners off the list. Oh, so. I don't get a double stack. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> double stack. <laughs> let's just, let's just let one fewer person in this, uh, yeah. uh, this year. I didn't make it. I didn't make it last year. So I'm very excited to be able to play in it this year. I didn't, I didn't qualify last year. So that, that explains why you got in there twice this year. That makes sense. I'm ready. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So, but that well, just goes to show. You were really close last year too. You were yeah, he was class. right. I think I needed rough. like four people to bail or something. I wasn't, I wasn't as close as it could have been. <laughs> well, it's not too late. Uh, if you're free that first Wednesday, Wednesday of December. If you win that night, even if you're out of the points race, if you win that night, you still get a seat at the championship match on Wednesday the 15th. So it's not too late to uh, get involved in that. And it's for free. Plus, you can win some pretty cool prizes. So so do go check that out. Um, let me see what else, uh, Chris. I know um, we're doing so every month we're doing this uh, rec poker seminar with Dara O'Carney, getting some insight from him about uh, how to handle certain spots. This last month, we looked at uh, short stack play. And um, do you know what you have in mind for, for next yeah. month or how's yeah, it been no, going so, so far? There, two things I would say is that that video, by the time this comes out, that video should be up uh, and go watch it. Cause uh, the Darrell Kearney's uh, analysis of sort of the short stack play and ICM spots in the hand that we sent him, I think is fascinating. I think it's one that uh, if you're thinking about these kinds of things and thinking about the importance of them, uh, he really breaks it down. So it's worth, it's worth watching. That should be up in the, for our premium members. And then our, our next, uh, our next sort of seminar, uh, Taylor Moss is going to really help me out with this. And we're going to be doing uh, PKOs. We're going to simulate a PKO, um, like we've done with everything else, we're going to try to have a spreadsheet so people understand it'll be a little bit wonky. We're going to try to figure out how to make it as smooth as possible, but uh, I think that'll be a fascinating conversation. And uh, he's, he has a lot of sort of uh, knowledge about that subject. So we'll, we'll uh, have him on helping me out, get the video done for that. So that should be a fun. I know that's a topic. A lot of people uh, have really been interested in and learning more about and how to approach PKOs. So it should be a fun conversation and a fun seminar. Nice. And uh, to give us a little extra time to put that together, we are changing the schedule a bit in yeah. November. So the seminar is normally on the fourth uh, Monday of the month, but we're going to do it on the fifth Monday because there's a fifth Monday in November. So it'll be on the 29th instead. So if you're hearing this and you'd like to join, it's a play and learn seminar. So you get to come play along with the group uh, then we record that play. Uh, we analyze it from the booth. We send it off to Dara O'Kearney um, to send in his own take. And, um, and then the premium members that participate in the playing session get all this personalized feedback from Chris and Taylor and Dara. Um, so yeah, it's just part of what your $15 can get you as a premium member here at rec.poker. Um, or just join for free. I say this every week. Come join Rec.Poker for free. Use the forums, play in the home games, get on the um, get your question on the podcast, and engage with the group. Um, it's just one of the one of the fun ways that you get to be a part of Rec Poker Nation. But if you don't get a chance to go to YouTube and subscribe, please and check out the uh, check out the uh, video that we're about to have up there from our man Steve speaking uh, singing O Canada. Why don't we just put us out of the show here with uh, uh, seeing no more comments from the group. I guess I want to thank website AMP and Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino. And of course, everyone here for being a big part of this. Now, if I can uh, get myself organized in a smooth and seamless fashion, we'll just say goodnight for tonight and see you all again soon. Oh.
This is perfect. Sorry, technical difficulties. I don't think we'll be able to do it this oh, week. Oh, no, think, hold uh, on. We are definitely doing it. Okay, no, hold on. I'm going to give it one more try. I, I thought for sure I had my screen I think going. We saw it. We didn't hear it. You saw it but didn't hear it? Okay. When you share yep. screen, you got to click uh, sound or something. There's a, there's a button on the bottom. Yeah, uh, share computer sound. You know what? Thank you, team. This this wouldn't be this wouldn't be possible without Jim screwing up the cues here in some official <laughs> capacity. Uh, thanks everybody, and I hope you enjoy this. Hey, you have a, you have a 